Hello, ladies and gents. It's uh, Dan from Adventure More UK. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Catch on the Flip Side. Today's special guest is a author. Uh, he's also a former Danish Army officer, and he's also a good friend of mine, Mr. Eskil Berger. How are we going, my friend? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, been quite a while since uh, uh, we, we saw each other uh, the last uh, that must have been, yeah, that would have been 2010. 2010 uh, is when we, when we physically first met. Yeah. Um, for people that don't know, yeah. obviously we tried doing a podcast uh, on, it was, you was, you would have been my first ever guest on my podcast uh, back around Christmas last year. And I was obviously quite new to it and you, you know, it's your first kind of thing doing it. And obviously we had a few technical difficulties, so we've had to redo it. But it's all it's all good. We've we got there in the end. Um so yeah, but Absolutely. yeah, last last time we physically met was two thousand and ten in Afghanistan. Now we'll go into that a little bit afterwards because obviously we got loads we can talk about lots of things. And um first thing I want to talk about is your upbringing. Like what 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 did uh, you do as a child and how was it growing up uh in sort of a not split household, but obviously from two sort of different nationalities I, I know of what was it like that yeah so um so i'm danish um yeah. uh, just to you know specify that I'm, I'm i'm a danish upbringing my father's danish and my mother is is peruvian um and um and not from um, any big city peru uh, she's from um from from the highlands uh, the the mountains uh, uh up in the andes uh, where these uh, indigenous people live and uh, and, and grow the um, the, the land there uh, mostly uh, uh, in newer times cattle, uh, older times uh, uh, potatoes, uh, lots of that, and and uh, and there were like valleys where where uh, where water could could run, and that would also create opportunities for for farming, etc. So so uh, my, my my father is a um, is a um, a Danish Viking, and my mother is a Peruvian Inca princess, and um, and I am. Um, I found myself uh, growing up in Denmark uh, because my mom uh, went to Denmark to work at the embassy and uh, met my father there back in the 70s, where um, not a lot of people knew how to to speak Spanish. Uh, and, and my father studied that at university. And two boys came from that, me and my older brother. Um, and, um, and and in the 70s uh, in, in Denmark, uh, there was a there was a big need for for labor and uh, and that labor, uh, I, I guess, all Europe, uh, th there was there's need for labor in, in those uh, industrialized uh, upcoming countries, and uh, and um, and and in Denmark we we got a lot of foreign workers up from uh, from Turkey, uh, from Pakistan, uh, from uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, they were uh, also mixed in with the refugees from uh, from the old Yugoslavia, um, um, Serbia, Albania, Bosnians. Uh, so so. A large, um, a large demographic group was well, not that large, but but we were a lot. We were different, right? There, there were like different uh, cultures coming in, different uh, religions, uh, and, um, and 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 different different from the, the old Danish way of being and thinking and acting, and um, and uh, and of course also uh, this the Latin American culture would be different from the Danish. Um, I think everything is different from the Danish. Really, it's, it's a very small country, um, very set in its ways, um, and uh, it still is. 
even though it, it is a, a multinational uh, population now, it's, it's still very set in its ways. And back then in the in the seventies, when I grew up, uh, there um, for for the people who had a very low income, like like we did, uh, we were yeah in, in, considered poor. Uh, there was a there was an area like a, a ghetto, you would call it today. Um, a big concrete jungle of uh, newly erected uh, buildings with uh, with smaller and, and larger uh, apartments in them uh, where we would uh, afford to live. And um, I grew up in one of those those uh, areas um, together with my brother and uh, and my mother. My father would already, would already at that point have, have uh, you know been kicked out by this this very uh, very conservative and very strong Peruvian woman who who couldn't. Uh, Really see the, the 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 his way of living as being how she wanted to raise her kids. So so he um, even though we had a close relationship to him uh, all through our upbringing, um, he he was relatively quickly out of the 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 question and the, the picture and um, and that left my mother uh, working twenty four hours a day in order to to feed uh, her children and pay the rent, um, which meant uh, that we were. Um, and not necessarily left uh, to our own devices, but but very much uh, uh, having to to find a way of of of, um, of, of you know finding friends and uh, and not uh, staying out of trouble and all that, right? And and and, and you know that Dan, you know it as 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 young youngsters, if you don't have guidance and if you don't have direction, um, sometimes someone uh, to help you understand to say no, uh, then. Uh, you uh, you very easily can uh, get out into trouble and and uh, and my brother and I were sort of like balancing um, uh, between the um, the immigrant gangs that uh, that ruled the area uh, uh, at some point before that the um, the, um, the 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 racist uh, uh, we call them green jackets they were all white Danish uh, 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 criminal minded people wearing these uh, bomber green bomber jackets that you did in the eighties there. And um, and um, and they ruled that area for some point, and then then the immigrant uh, gangs took over, and and and, uh, and then biker gangs were there as well. So so there's it, it was like a, a very um, a very unruly neighborhood to grow up in, and um, and my brother and I, being not Muslims, uh, not fully Danish, uh, um, Catholic Latin uh, uh, upbringing, uh, we were sort of. Uh, the odd ones um, we couldn't really follow the um, the, the Muslim uh, uh, thinking uh, uh, boys and girls there and, and we could not uh, either follow the, the Danish uh, uh, racist uh, whatever because we, we, we were not we were we were brown right? we were we were mixed so uh, it was all a question of, of uh, navigating that and uh, and that led to a lot of clashes a lot of um, a lot of uh, either running from a um, uh, a beating, or actually being the one uh, kicking some butt uh, whenever you, uh, whenever we could, my brother and I. Right? So, so it was like, no. Well, I had socks. The dog now uh, destroyed them. Uh, so you know, that's what's going on in the background. Um, yeah, he, he likes socks, and uh, and if I'm not quick, then uh, he gets his teeth in them, and there's no no getting no getting it from him. So if you hear some noises in the background, it's it's my socks getting demolished. Um, so that, that was that was really more or less, uh, you know, uh, growing up in a in a hard neighborhood, uh, navigating that and um, and and what um, 
what helped me in sort of staying on the straight path was was my martial arts training, um, um, sparking from the karate kid, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the, the karate kid, uh, um, Daniel uh, DiMaggio, or what's his call, uh, who kept bullied La Russo, uh, in La Russo, school by yeah. the... Uh, La Russo, yeah, exactly, yeah, by yeah. the big boys. And, uh, and, and I sort of like could identify and, and found myself in that in that situation. So um, I um, I started to... this. This was a new thing back in Denmark called Taekwondo, and, and we, we thought it like being a mix of better than karate and judo and all the other martial arts that were in the, um, and, and, and the most violent one as well, because you were, you were actually allowed to kick people in the head and all that. So um, my, my plan back then was to become a black belt, and then nobody would, would mess with me, right? And, and, uh, and, and that's really what happened, right? I, I, I found a lot of discipline. Uh, uh, stayed out of trouble, uh, went to training every day, um, um, never really got exposed to, to the criminal element that, that was all over uh, that area because of my training, right? So it's, uh, um, that, that, that sort of led me to, uh, to, to get on a, an elite program uh, when, when I had to um, um, uh, go on to, to, uh, to high school, uh, where I, I, because of my Taekwondo and the and, and the program that I was in, you know, winning uh, national championships and uh, and Scandinavian championships, international competitions, and all that, actually gave me the possibility of getting some some support from the state, and and, and that also dragged me into another environment with with other, you know, very serious-minded uh, uh, athletes, and uh, and and all of that led to at some point the army. Um, mm. At the age of, uh, I think I must have been twenty. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's the childhood, really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Well, I obviously we've talked about this before, but I didn't realize uh, is it when you joined up, and I think it's still the case that uh, joining the military in, in Denmark is it's part of or it's conscription. You have conscription still in in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, all um, all young men uh, at the age of, of eighteen need to go. Um, to uh, to conscription right so we, we are all called uh, to um, to they call it the day of the army or the day of the defense and uh, you come in and you you go through some tests and uh, and then uh, at the end of this uh, what, what would you call the process you, you 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 actually physically draw a number and if the number is sufficiently high then you um, you you you're free you're free to choose right you, you can you can join or you or you can you know not join whatever you want right so yeah. um and um at that point uh, in in the in mid 90s uh, when i joined uh, the conscription was very much so it, it was a it was a, a minimum of 12 months um uh, conscription today it's only it's four four months conscription right so it's okay uh, we had uh, Four, four times as long, uh, um, three times as long, uh, uh, conscription period. Um, so um, I, I chose to, to join a, 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 an officer's program that was two years um, so that I could uh, faster uh, get to a point where I didn't have to be yelled at that much. I actually think that was one of my motivations uh, back yeah. then that I didn't, need, I didn't need a sergeant yelling at me because what the fuck, right? <laughs> would would I accept that right? So so that that was a, that was a motivation I had uh, with that. It's, it's strange that um, 
someone uh, with with so um, little uh, um, authoritative motivation uh, actually chooses to join a system that that actually deals with authority uh, like not as much as the British does of course uh, yeah. the Danish system as you know is very different from from where you come from right but uh, very different yeah. yeah we had conscripts yeah yeah it's it's definitely different um before I get on to sort of like how like where we, when we met in Afghan um obviously you you did tours of Kosovo and Iraq didn't you um was it Kosovo first you did yeah yeah I went to Kosovo as a platoon commander in um in uh, uh 2001 okay we we um at that point uh um the Americans had 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 a the coalition NATO had established a, a, a an ethnic um, division uh, down through uh, Kosovo, um, uh, dividing Serbs uh, up towards the border uh, towards Serbia and um, and the Albanians, uh, who were the great majority uh, living in, in Kosovo, um, and 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 who had been uh, uh, the most um, um, yeah affected by the by the Serb rule, right? And and that's that's really what the what the war was about to, to, to you know push the Serbs back into Serbia and and um, and convert Kosovo into Kosovo, uh, which then would be a, an Albanian uh, predominantly Muslim ruled uh, area, right? And and there was a lot of clashes there. We when I went there, we, we went there with the with a brand new uh, infantry uh, um, armored infantry carrier and APC. We, you you saw them in Afghanistan. We called them the Piranhas. Yeah, yeah. Back then, yeah. it was like the model. Uh, one or something like that, like the first one of them, and uh, and um, and I remember that that we we the Danish army we bought twenty two of them, um, and uh, and the Americans bought like twenty two hundred or twenty two thousand, I don't know, for their striker yeah. force, and, uh, and and that sort of uh, made made our vehicles very very exclusive, and because uh, we almost were American, right? That we thought that that was really the cool thing to be, and and also because you couldn't get spare parts because the Americans were. Were just like paying more, right? So it's yeah. it was it was very interesting to go there. That, that was my first command as a as an infantry uh, uh, leader, and, um, and and that was that was the shit, right? That that was that was a war, right? Wow, we were in a war zone. It's uh, we we could risk all kinds of. We were carrying weapons, uh, you know, uh, um, different from from many of the the UN days, the UN teams, where they actually went there without weapons at all, and we had another mandate. Um, and th that felt like a really sharp mission back then. Now, and would we be a lot wiser uh, uh, several years later, right? But uh, back then, the, there was no Iraq, and there was no, uh, the, the, well, not that we knew of, right? Like, uh, and no Afghanistan, and all the things had yeah, yeah. developed. Like, so, did, did you go to Kosovo pre 9 11? So, before 9 11? 9 11 was. 2001, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, 11th of September, 2001. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, uh, I was home when 9/11 uh, happened. Yes. Yeah. So, did it did it change at all? Obviously, I know Kosovo was not part. Obviously, it wouldn't have been anything to do with 9/11. But like when it came towards like obviously the terror threat and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Did it did it make a difference? Do you know, like from like post and pre nine eleven? 
I think the whole world changed uh, that day. Uh, uh, we, we were all of a sudden exposed to to a, a massive attack on, on something that we we always would have thought being not even you know not even during the the Second World War was the the, the, the states were they weren't hit right like mm. like England yeah. was or Denmark or Europe and us yeah. so someone someone attacking the United States like that with all the security and with all the might and all the military they had sort of uh, threw all of us out into a, a state of, of uh, oh and now what's going to happen right and uh, and uh, it, it, I remember I, I saw that on TV uh, the day it happened and 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 I didn't I didn't believe okay now we're going to to war we're going to I, I had no idea what was going to happen uh, from from that and and terrorism was at that point really something that we mostly connected to Northern Ireland right the the, yeah. the bombs yeah. and the and what what you were you know uh, fighting uh, against uh, right there so I think I think that, that we knew of, we knew of terrorism we knew of bombs and we knew of a, and we, we, we have sort of been brought up with with that um, I don't think the Americans really had an idea of, of what terrorism really was and and, and I remember that that um, that IRA actually um, very quickly after that happened um, dissolved themselves right they disbanded they, they they ceased to exist and then there were some political parties or something like that just because the world had changed they they, they wouldn't want to be in the same uh, category as as what what happened over in the United States right and then yeah yeah happened. Yeah, so that, that's obviously for many people that I've spoke to about Kosovo, because I, I missed out on Kosovo um, and Bosnia. Like, I didn't get to go. Um, I think it just sort of, I think they were starting to bring people back from there when I joined up. So I joined up in 2004, uh, back end of 2004. Um, so I think they'd already started bringing back, if not most people uh, back from Kosovo and Bosnia. So I don't, from what I gather, it was a completely different scenario from Kosovo and Bosnia to uh, Iraq. Now, obviously, from your point of view, what what was it like going from Kosovo to Iraq in your role? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I went to Iraq as a as an intelligence officer in charge of supporting the the Danish infantry company, and we were there under. British uh, a British brigade where it was a, a battle group uh, as a part of, of a British brigade there um, desert rats I think they were called that uh, yeah yeah seven brigade that, seventh brigade that's right yeah yeah that's right um, and and when we were because we were under a French uh, uh, a French brigade there and that was very very different from getting uh, all of a sudden, to, to work with with Brits, it's uh, it was um, it was a whole other world. It was it was all of a sudden super spot on. You know, it, it you could you could I think I felt that working with Brits, you you could just feel that these guys have been at war forever, forever. You know, you never stopped, right? It, it was it, it there was so much experience. There were 
it, it, it was such a, a relaxed atmosphere around it that no panic. Uh, um, things got um, in Denmark. We, we we have to spend at least three weeks uh, planning a mission uh, or, or an operation. Let's just say yeah. that that involves the battle group. Uh, the British Brigade would finish the um, the staff work and all the preparations and be ready to roll out in a couple of days. You know, doing yeah. the same thing, um, and and we would all see that as oh, that's that's ridiculous. Nobody can prepare themselves to to go and do anything. You know, in a in a relatively safe way, because we 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 all start zero casualties, right? It, mm. I believe Brits, you, yeah. you you see it differently. Uh, yeah. Obviously. Nobody wants anyone to die, but uh, but you still have some experience concerning these things, right? And and, and that gave me like a, 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 a an idea of of how professional soldiers and a professional military uh, uh, operation and unit really works. And I think that was impressive. Uh, I I liked that a lot. There were so many things with the with the British, especially their officers, that I didn't like. Uh, that. I disliked actually where the the, the difference between uh, grunt uh, a private soldier, um, the uh, non commissioned officers and the officers, the the silos they were put in. I, I disliked that a lot. I I, I I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to function in that system. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I was very impressed. And when I was in Iraq, we, we uh, Afghanistan was ongoing at that point, and and we would look at the statistics. Um, today uh, they were like. 16 uh, suicide vehicle bombers in Baghdad and in Afghanistan they would report of, of, of one IED somewhere you know wherever in, in, in that whole country and we're like yeah wow Afghanistan yeah that's a you know nothing is going on in Afghanistan compared to to Iraq right so so we were definitely the right place um, the, the the thing with Iraq uh, other than it being such an uh, such a hostile environment, both uh, uh, geographically as, uh, and, and especially with, with the heat. Right, it was so hot all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um, the the um, those those uh, burning uh, um, oil oil fields there, you can see all the time, and uh, everything was just so hot. Um, it was crazy. But but also, um, it, it was it was a whole other uh, culture. The the Arab the, the sort of Arab culture. The uh, the um, they didn't want us to be there, and and, uh, and and you never knew who you were talking to. Authorities would possibly not be anyone who wanted to us to succeed in in, in their area. There was someone who were lying directly up in your face uh, or holding you there, so somebody could prepare an ambush and all that. So it, it was a, a a constant a constant threat against your life when you were in the. In, in Iraq and, and uh, also when you were driving, you know, we, we got really good at finding these these IEDs. They were that, that were so creatively uh, uh, placed and uh, and done the the, the the explosive form projectile that that would go through a tank. You know, mm. there were no armor that could actually that could protect you against that. So so every time we drove out, it was like the death lottery. So who will get there? The legs blown off, just sitting in the in the vehicle, or or they would just tilt it up so they knew exactly that it would blow off the head of the gunner or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Right? Or it, it you know Iraq was uh, just a constant soup of stress, if you ask me. Uh, 
um, Afghan uh, sorry Kosovo was 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 still like a, a switching on and off on and off like uh, we, we had riots then we went out and we prepared uh, we had some uh, some 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 closer action and and, and uh, some closer uh, contact to to the riders and, and uh, you know getting big rocks thrown at you and Molotov cocktails and all that uh, trying not to get burned alive that was something else than getting blown up right and and nobody was really shooting at us in Kosovo um, they would do so in, in Iraq right so um, yeah and, and the IDs so so that was a yeah. big difference definitely. yep <laughs> yeah so um I know when when I was uh yeah so when I was in Iraq like the I was based in uh in what's called the cob in Basra um the 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 most sort of the, the the threat that we encountered quite a lot was the uh the IDFs the indirect fires and mortars stuff like that coming into camp um now that's something that I found more common than IEDs uh, in Iraq. Now, obviously, we did different roles. I, I worked with the what's called JHC, which is a Joint Helicopter Command. Yeah, so I worked with them in uh, in Basra, but we used to do uh, the comms, the communications for the helicopters out towards thing, places like Basra Palace, uh, out towards uh, is it Shaiba Log Base. Um, I used to do that quite a lot. Um, so would, I think our roles would have been quite different uh, from what we did. But as, as I've mentioned before, when we spoke last time, uh, I worked alongside the Americans uh, and also the Danish Air Force. Um, so it was it's something that kind of I've already got an insight to how the Americans work and how the, the Danish work. And then obviously we skipping skip forward I think it was three years for me, uh, 2010, which is when uh, I got attached to your your company, uh, which is what I want to talk about mostly because like that's something that is for me. It's going to sound strange, but for people won't realize like meeting you guys, like yourself and the rest of the team, has like it's like absolutely been the, one of the best things that's happened in the last. 10 plus years for me like i met some amazing people like you guys treated me like a like 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 no other and obviously the man in charge of that whole company was yourself and and that's something i think you mentioned earlier about i i you know obviously being british i've obviously worked with other british regiments and other battalions and stuff and i, I you said earlier about like the the D danish and british officers are a completely different like kettle of fish like as uh, most people would look look people look at british officers and they look at like clean shaven you know flopped over hair um obviously no tattoos like hello yes no, nice to meet you all my name yeah exactly and then i remember meeting you for the first time with your beard and your, your hair um obviously you're covered in tattoos um and i was like man this this dude looks like a such a hard 
sort of badass Viking. And I was like, I'm glad I'm on his team. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and that's when we met, and we obviously met on the patrol baseline, uh, which I spent all my tour uh, with yourselves. Um, now, for people who don't know what, like what I say, we like we did as a company because I was a part of your company. I'd like to think, uh, what what was your kind of role over there, and how 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 did uh, your role differ or change from being in Iraq? Well, well so, so um, from from supporting the company in Iraq uh, with intelligence and and uh, and, and ta- doing target packs and and cooperating with with the British. Uh, um, um, uh, brigade there. Uh, I, I had my own command uh, again, like I had in, in, in Kosovo, right? So I was in charge of uh, 139 Danish soldiers, and uh, and all of you guys who uh, who were either uh, directly in support uh, with the communications. There were also engineers. Remember, we had uh, yeah, yeah. we had Gurkhas as well. Uh, we had um, we had some uh, some U.S. Marine Corps uh, uh, Earth Raider uh, something. Uh, yeah, crazy yeah. thing there, and and uh, and and there were there were some uh, some some heavy artillery as well uh, observer at some point that that uh, that was a part of the company. So 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 we were uh, approximately 200, 250 at at the at, at the maximum uh, height of, of the, we were three hundred in in the in the four um, sort of camps that that were spread over the patrol baseline. Um, so so yeah, I, I was a commander, right? A company commander. I had. Um, I had the responsibility of soldiers directly. Um, my my, uh, my decisions, my analysis, my orders—they would affect someone directly and, and possibly lead to, and and you know possibly yeah, because we knew that that we were not getting out of there a hundred percent alive. Even though that was my that that was my goal, right? My 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 goal was uh, when I promised the the parents of of the the boys and girls that I left from Denmark with because. They were very young, uh, as you probably remember. They were, uh, yeah, it's the beginning of twenties, mid twenties, uh, and there were some older ones. Uh, and and um, uh, but, but they were all very young. So so uh, prior to leaving Denmark, uh, one of my my promises was that that I would not I would not make any decisions or issue any orders that that I would not uh, personally. Uh, go in front of and do myself, right? So, so that that was the that was the um, that was the philosophy of it: the uh, do right, uh, be good, uh, be professional, uh, get get things done, um, and protect people uh, and protect soldiers uh, all the way through, right? And and hopefully get back a hundred percent without any casualties. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, right? But mm. but. Um, um, we we were we were not supposed to go to Afghanistan, you know, with that company. Uh, we we were actually supposed to go back, and I say back because uh, we were we were two professional companies. Uh, one a very experienced one, which they called Bravo uh, Company. Um, they were placed in the in in the in the big camp, um, uh, the Danish camp, um, together with the Brits, and um, and then there was Charlie Company. Alpha, Alpha Company was uh, the tanks, right? Yeah, I think they were the, yeah. the tankers, and um, and then there was uh, uh, Delta. That was uh, that was the British company uh, in, um, in in that other other uh, place that close close by, 
and yeah. and, uh, and Echo or Enormous as they call themselves. That was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. an American infantry company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. typical mm-hmm. Enormous <laughs> they call themselves. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Well, well, well. Um, so, so we, we should we shouldn't even have have been to Afghanistan. That was a a change of plans that the Danish government made uh, uh, at, at the last minute, so to say. Um, it should have been another company from another regiment, uh, the the Hussars, uh, the the uh, the mounted regiment. They, they should have been the ones sending uh, uh, a company uh, together with the Royal Guards. But um, at the last minute, if that was changed, we should have been to Kosovo, um, uh, Charlie Coy, and uh, and. And that made sense because we were so young. Uh, we had no experience. Uh, I had been in, in Iraq as an intelligence officer in Kosovo, right? As as, as a platoon commander. So so I, we, we didn't have any experience. And, and uh, all my platoon commanders, they had never been deployed before, right? The, some, some some of the two ICs uh, had, and, and my uh, my two IC had been deployed to to both Iraq and Afghanistan before. So we were very few that that had been actually in theater before. So. It made sense to start off with this this company in Kosovo, right? Which was I don't I think I, I was I was on team four back then, and and I think we were rotating down as team I don't know two hundred and four or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Like, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of years had gone by, um, but um, but when it was changed from um, the army uh, operational command side. Very few of the integrants of the soldiers of the company actually chose not to come. Um, we had already at that point built a, a esprit de corps, like a, a really core spirit um, of, of who we were. Uh, we were those guys with the with, with the with the eagle, right? The yeah, eagle yeah. Uh, tattoo there. We were these guys. We uh, we were we were special. Uh, we um, we we were good. We were well trained. We um, we have shown that through our, our our tests and our training that we were we were really good at, at what we had been trained to do. So uh, so people chose to uh, to actually come to Afghanistan and and stay in their platoons, right? And, and then of course the unfortunate uh, accident that happened uh, four weeks before we, we rotated down uh, to Afghanistan. The um, the um, the two guys we we um, we lost in a in a life fire. Uh, they, the 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 last life fire. Uh, uh, exercise we had, we um, we had a, a misfire in a in a mortar tube, and uh, that killed two of the um, of of the guys in in that section. And in spite of that, in spite of the army operational command trying to to sort of uh, uh, cut that section out and find someone new that they could pay a little bit extra to stay or whatever, um, they all decided that you know they were they were going to Afghanistan in order to honor their their fallen comrades, right? So. We, we had a very very strong team uh, when we rotate, rotated down and, and I think then that that's also what you what what you um, what you saw and what you felt when you were a part of, of the company right that yeah. that um, it, it was the suck right we were all in the suck together uh, yeah. and uh, yep. we had to embrace it right and uh, and you uh, were absolutely one of the the professionals that helped a very young company in in doing right when it comes when it came to comms and uh, when it came to because you were involved in, in so many incidents where we had to very quickly uh, try to get support or, or or get medivacs and all that right so it's uh, sort of like the um, the um, 
the heart of the operation uh, was was when when the guys were were out the uh, out there in in um, in in the area of operation uh, doing their things. Uh, you guys were our life-saving uh, communication to to um, to Big Brother in the camp, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it's definitely something I remember. I remember quite a lot. But, um, the one one incident I remember, and I can't remember if this was on the team before or it was our team. Um, or, you know, obviously because we we spent a couple of months, about a month or so, before you guys came. So we kind of changed over into into Crazy Koi. But um, the I can't remember if you remember the incident where I think it was at the same place that we were at, and there was a sandstorm came in and the obviously Taliban came insurgents came in up to the camp and chucked grenades over an RPGs and at the time I think there was only 33 33 people on camp and I think there was like 17 16 17 casualties and two of them being two of our signalers two of the British signalers uh, which was basically both of them like like when I was with you, there was me and one other. Uh, so that, that I remember that because that was at the time was one of the biggest mass casualty like ISAF situations had ha- had uh, in that part of Helmand. And yeah, I, I remember that because I was in uh, I was in patrol base Zumbale. I think it was called Zumbale or it changed its name, which was just down the road from where we were. So I moved up to where you are, where where we where you were. And I remember that because I remember I was sat uh, just doing my thing. Uh, I was with the Brits at the time, uh, further up the road. I think you were saying the uh, the Gurkhas. I was up up the road, and I just remember hearing a load of gunfire. And I was just like, "It's a bit too late to be having to be having a patrol at that time of night because it was probably eleven o'clock at night, maybe maybe later." And I think I'd just come off the phone because we used to have a satellite phone. So I'd come off the phone to m- to my family after ringing them. And I, I remember, I think it was my mum was saying, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we used to have firefights all the time. It became normal. That was the that was the norm. And she, I was like, yeah, no, it'd be fine. It'd be fine. It's just, you know, there's guys out on the ground. Obviously, I wasn't on duty then. And then it got, just kept going and going and going. And I thought, this isn't right. There's something not right about this. So I ended up radio trying to radio through to where they were at, at the same place we moved to eventually. And th- we couldn't get hold of anyone. We couldn't get we had we couldn't get hold of the Danish uh, signalers, our signaler. We couldn't get hold of our signalers, the British guys. And then obviously, long story short, we found out that this had happened where they'd come over during a sandstorm and throwing grenades and stuff over the uh, over the fence or over the Hesco walls. And I remember going down, I think, a few days later, going down to, well, obviously, we had to go down and rescue all the kit and equipment because it had all been, obviously, damaged and stuff like that. And I remember, because I, I got told, of, uh, eventually, I got told that one of the lads, one of our lads, they'd been playing poker or, been, you know, playing cards uh before they'd gone to bed so when i got there 
and there was like cards all over the place with like blood on it and stuff like that and i was like man this is this is like surreal this is like people people like watch films and stuff like that and think yeah that's that's pretty realistic but you'll never experience something like that until you've actually experienced it for a lot for real and that's something you know things that will come into my you know come into my uh will always stay there and it's the same for and again i think this was bef i think this was team so you guys were team was it team 10 or team 9 team 10 so yeah. so the, the situation you just described was was team 9 and, and team yeah, yeah. 9 was uh, was severely hit on, uh, on incidents um just before we came uh, that's probably what you wanted to to talk about now that the um the, the patrol baseline uh, the actual line the road that the the Gurkhas were were actually constructing that that must be the 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 best constructed road in the whole of Afghanistan. I've never yeah. seen so many layers and so much mesh and so much rubber and so much I don't know you know it, it's so professionally made that road um that that actually uh, uh, on on that that it was just a dirt track really right it's really yeah. um, between yeah. the uh, the patrol bases down to the um, to the Helmand River right just cutting cutting straight through the uh, the green zone uh, green because it was a lush zone right with the uh, with lots of uh, of fields and vegetation and all that um the same day as we rotated in on team 10 the um team 9 was hit uh, in their their brand new uh, CV90 uh, machine um machine gun uh, armored uh, infantry carriers right um they, they were hit and 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 that 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 mini tank uh, whatever you would call it was just blown uh, uh chopped down right there were uh, a few danish soldiers died and and some british soldiers were were badly wounded as well right and yeah, uh, yeah. and actually cut off um, the, the furthest uh, patrol base all the way down uh, um i can't remember what's it called right now but but uh, uh, you actually had a, a section down there uh, living uh, for a few days without any food and any water because we couldn't get to them, right? So it's, mm, yep. it, Team 9 was uh, was really hard hit, um, both with that episode and, and the one I just talked about, right? Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, I remember, again, I, I think it was, yeah, it was horrible. But I remember, and again, it must have been Team 9, where it was... I think for you guys it was quite a pinnacle kind of or this i'm trying to think how to describe it but so basically long story short i, I remember uh, there was a girl called sophia um i don't know if you remember that where when she yeah. got she got killed on team nine um and this is where you talk about how you know people think the taliban are stupid they're not stupid they've been fighting wars for hundreds of years um and I remember, uh, I wasn't physically there at the time. I was in at the again. I was in the patrol base further up the road, about a kilometer up the road. And obviously, I got told about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Um, and obviously, they'd been driving through. I think she was on top cover, and obviously, normally they'd put IEDs on the road. Obviously, but this time, what they did is they put them in in the wall uh, and what it did is unfortunately it went obviously straight across the top of the top cover of the vehicle and 
basically cut her in half. Um, and yeah, that, that I remember one of our guys having to help out with the sort of uh, after effects of that. And again, it's it, it's hard to explain, but it's not something that you'll wouldn't want anyone to sort of experience. And 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 again, it's it's something that people will never understand because it's it's something you can't even just describe. Um, and again, it, it reminds me of when I spent. I spent a couple of days on a on a mission uh, with the Brits, and one of they were down. We were on top uh, of the hill with the armored armored uh, vehicles, uh, the tanks, the armored tanks, and we were pro- providing top cover. Um, it wasn't on the patrol baseline, but it was a bit further further up the river, I think. And it was just, I think it was just a general sort of operation that they were, con- you know, doing. And I remember uh, looking down on this this patrol going across uh, across the um, sort of tree line, and there was like a a sand uh, like a mound of sand. Obviously, we saw these guys walking across, and then all of a sudden, all you can see is just smoke and sand and shit everywhere. And obviously, everyone knew straight away that someone had stood on an IED. Um, and I remember, you know, like, again, long story short, we had to go and collect all the belongings after everything had been, you know, we called in a, the American Blackhawks. They came in, uh, put him on the back of the Blackhawk. Uh, unfortunately, he, he, he did pass away uh, on the on the helicopter back to Bastion. Um, so when we went to clear up after everything had settled down, just it's just a, a weird feeling of knowing that, because obviously for myself, we had communications with the helicopters because that was part of my job. So we, I, I found out that he'd passed away as they were leaving uh, and obviously as they, were, as they went. And I remember having to go down to the bottom of the valley next to the tree line and picking up basically the rest of him and I remember picking up these boots and these backpack seeing you know like sh- marks going up the side of his uh, backpack obviously where the obviously the IEDs exploded in like a V V shape um, and I remember going off topic slightly but I remember when I got home and again people won't be able to put uh, maybe be able to justify like maybe I'll picture this in their heads. But I remember when I got home, I had to burn my uh, trousers and I got I had to get my mum to wash my boots because they were stained, obviously stained uh, red with blood. And for s- it, it's something that people can't, I don't think I'll ever understand what that's like. And obviously me, people know what I'm like and know the stories I've told. And I don't think people will understand, like, them pictures in your head. Like, people watch films, like I said, and they play on video games. But to see that kind of thing in real life, I don't think people understand why or how or even can can compute in their heads what these images are like. And obviously people like myself suffer with PTSD. 
But again, that, I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but I thought it was in my brain, so I thought I'd tell it. Um, so, yeah. And, and it's interesting, Dan, right? Uh, I, I thought about that too, uh, because we, we, all, we all have been in a situation where we have been um, picking up pieces, right? Mm. That, yeah, literally pieces uh, of, yeah. of human flesh and, and things like that. Nothing was left to to any Taliban or any adversary to to make propaganda with, right? So, and of course, out of respect of our fallen comrades. So, but one thing that 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 comes back to me all the time is that I don't remember any blood. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember the color red in the desert. I don't remember. I remember dusts, and I remember. I remember flesh, and I remember you know little pieces of. Whether it is flesh or fat or whatever, that like moist things, uh, pieces of equipment and all that, but I don't remember blood. And 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 what differs from from what I think we see at the television and and all that, and what we experienced was that I don't remember any screaming either, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, even though people were had been you know had a, a leg blown off or a, 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 a deadly wounded, all the all the screaming and all the thing that that that. That we sort of hear about in, in it must have been another time, another war, uh, mass casualties possibly. I don't know, but but it was eerily quiet after the bang, right? So it's it's, um, it's something that 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 haunts me too, and uh, in, in, uh, and that comes back, right? The dreams of of, of these um, of these children, that <laughs> children, my children, right? That my my yeah. guys, uh, that. Um, yeah. That, that got that got hurt and and and, and uh, some of them didn't survive and, and that's um that's a hard one right and and uh, call it what you want uh, PTSD uh, it it's it's something that changed us from what we were before and and it's something that made us what we are now um, and uh, what you are doing and and uh, I wrote a book right so you yeah. you you're doing this. Uh, uh, we we all telling our story. Uh, you also are doing the tattoo, like many other uh, veterans are, uh, um, painting the um, the stories and the achievement of your skin, right? For mm, for yeah. for you to be able to communicate it when people ask because they do, right? And then in time, when you have told your story so many times, it's it just becomes and not that. Uh, uh, a goal should be easier, but it becomes less difficult, right? It's uh, mm. less difficult to to live with it, um, and, uh, and and that's what happened to me uh, over time. That uh, I told my story so many times, uh, I never, never, never hid it. Uh, I never uh, uh, tried to uh, to run away from it because it it was a proud and sad moment in life and. And it was uh, for your, uh, you were uh, there eight months or something. We were like there seven months. Uh, and, and it's 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 a very short period of time that has had a, such a large impact on our lives, uh, considering that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 40, 45 now. And uh, I've had so many experiences, seen so many things, traveled so many places. The one period of time in my life that is, the clearest to me and the most blurry as well uh, is Afghanistan. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And that's interesting. I remember more details about Afghanistan than my whole childhood. 
it's it's uh, it's yeah. interesting like that. I, it's true. I, I'm pretty much the same. I I remember quite a lot of what we did in Afghanistan. Um, I remember quite a bit of my childhood, obviously. Um, but it's just I think it's like you say the stuff that happens when we were out there, and it just sticks in your head. Um, obviously there's you know it's not it's not all negative. You know there's some great things that happened while we're out there. Obviously, um, the obviously the sad thing at the moment is obviously we can't do anything because of COVID, but I know when the time's right, we'll be able to get together and meet up wherever it may be, if it will be here or in Denmark, and, you know, have a, a get-together, as we said, like it's been 10 years now, yeah, 10 years since, like in March for me, it'll be 10 years since I went to Af Afghanistan. Sorry, it'll be eleven years. Sorry, it'll be eleven years since I went ten to years. Afghanistan. Yeah, ten yeah. years for the rest of us, right? So we, we rotated yeah. back February. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's ten years now. Actually, it's crazy. Very. Yeah. This is a ten years anniversary uh, talk we're having right now. It's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. And we are planning on it and a get together again. Uh, so yeah, it has been put on hold. So. Any any you know concrete physical planning of the uh, the get together as we um, we made a um, a send off back back then where we invited the the Brits as well um, had them over uh, for a weekend uh, we um, we did some some fun things and uh, and and hit as we say in Denmark a, a big hole in the ground with a lot of alcohol and. Uh, and uh, and and uh, you know which which tend to to loosen up the uh, the um, the environment a little bit, and we're gonna do that again with with all the ones we can get a hold of. I know that there's a lot of uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but but I've heard of, of quite a few of um, of our guys that that uh, that are suffering um, uh, with PTSD and has uh, also um, gone through an extensive. Uh, uh, regimen of health mm -hmm. uh, over the time and, uh, and quite understandable um, and it's interesting because we, we, we're now like sort of uh, returning to, to the childhood thing right uh, I, I, I believe now as a theory as you get older you always you know try to find wise theories about things but um, I believe that that I I went to Afghanistan with with uh, um, quite a few other tools in my backpack than the very young uh, boys and girls that that came with me um, that had grown up in in other environments and and, and did not and did, did get a cultural shock going from from a, a very well developed democratic Denmark uh, Europe to. To that place, right, where yeah. where I had seen some some cruel place before coming there, and and uh, I think that helped me a lot in in also the coping of it uh, uh, afterwards. If you ask any psychiatrist or psychologist, they would probably have a checklist that is fully checked out on the PTSD uh, scale. Uh, in, in in my case, uh, um, I'm just too stubborn to to want to. Uh, uh, and, and as a personal thing, and to, to want to be categorized something, right? So mm. uh, I, I possibly, very possibly am a, a PTSD uh, um, uh, 
just like so many others. But um, I, I just find, I think, that a, a, a motivation or strength for me is to to not to fall into a category of, of a an ill uh, an, an ill mental. I don't know what that what that name is, but but uh, and then keep on going, right? So it's just one mm. foot in front of the other, and uh, and feel bad sometimes. Uh, good days, bad days, but but keep on moving, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Just like the the Yanks, they say uh, embrace the suck, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And keep on moving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's exactly what it is. Um, now. You mentioned just before about um, like your book, like so for people that don't know what the book's about. So it's obviously called Crazy Coy. It's spelled Crazy Coy, but it means Crazy Company. Um, uh, the only the only downside, and, and again, I, we I spoke to you about this before. Uh, it is in is it in Danish and Spanish? Um, it's it's actually eighty um, percent translated into English now. Then I, I need to send you the. Uh, the raw copy, so you can uh, do some proofreading on it, please. It's it's um, it's uh, I've I've um, i paid a, um, a, a a translator officer girl to uh, translate it for me, but but when I read it through, um, I can I can find quite a few things that doesn't sound that sounds very much Danish uh, rather mm. than 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 what it should be. So so if you want to, I would like to send you. Um, you know, a raw copy of it, so you could just read it through, um, um, because yeah, it's, it's almost translated to, to English now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as I say, like I, I definitely would do, because I know obviously everything that that's in that book, uh, I can completely relate to, because I was involved in that book. Obviously, not not personally, but I'm not obviously I'm not mentioned in the book, but I am a part of that team, part of Crazy Company. Um, and like I said, for people that don't know what the, the book's about, do you want to give us a quick, well, not even a quick, just a, an yeah, overview, an overview. So it's, it's a uh, 300 pages <laughs> and it's, um, uh, it's called crazy coy. Uh, crazy coy was, was the, the nickname we were given by, um, I believe the staff officers in, um, in, in, uh, in battalion, um, because they, they were constantly hearing uh, us being, as you said, that was a common thing, uh, being shot at or, or engaging in, in, in some kind of uh, of, of, uh, of troops in contact or, or getting blown off or whatever, right? So, so um, and, and uh, the information or the, the information back to battalion sometimes didn't, and that's not your fault, Ben, uh, it sometimes didn't get sent back as fast as it could. So, so they were quite a lot in the dark and, and, uh, and and they um, and crazy things just happened uh, in, in in our uh, in our area. We were exposed to to several judge, advocate, general, in, uh, you know, examinations, uh, inter interrogations, and investigations, and all kinds of stuff. Because there were so many things that we did in uh, in in crazy coy in, in in patrol baseline that was odd. Uh, it was different. We we did things differently. We um, we, we didn't accept status quo as, as being, so this is where we are, this is what we were given, this is what we have to live with. We changed things, we built all the time, we improved, we, we, we did crazy stuff. So, so yeah, I think the, the crazy car uh, uh, name is pretty, um, is pretty correct. And I also heard that they called me uh, Colonel Kurtz uh, because uh, they could just imagine uh, me sitting uh, by a river uh, painted in the face with a, a little indigenous... Um, 
boy by my side and uh, reciting, uh, I don't know, Shakespeare, um, because um, they, I was very much different from, from what, what ordinary officers were uh, and, and are to be found in, in Denmark. So um, the book is basically about our time in Afghanistan, some of the hardship we suffered, uh, the, um, the time leading up to Afghanistan, and, and there are also a few chapters on on my upbringing, my background, so they know the author, right? So, um, and there's also a part of that, and then there's there all, all the, the crazy stuff that happened in in, um, in in the time we were there then, you know, uh, and um, and then there was a crazy time afterwards as well, where where I personally was um, was accused of um, of, um, of of having uh, violated my duties as an officer, conduct an, an officer, on becoming an officer or something like that, and. Um, they actually wanted with with that trial they put me through um, to put me in jail for three years um, uh, for for um, um, and it turned out to become uh, one one of the um, one of the largest and most expensive uh, uh, court cases uh, involving an an, an infantry uh, captain uh, Danish infantry captain in, in ever actually so so um, it, there's a, a little description of that too uh, I've heard. Um, Obviously, I think it's, it's 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 a pretty good book, but but I heard that for people that has actually served, um, they will be able to to recognize a lot of a lot of the the, the issues and, and the problems and the the frustration that that is in that book, and it's, it it you shouldn't. I I hope I hope I, I'm not um, describing it in in a in, in the, the sense of of it being a book describing frustration. It also describes mostly um and, and that's that's the most important thing the the guys that actually did the job in, in afghanistan and it's it's not it's not me 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 and, and listen to all my frustration it's it's a um it's a remembrance piece of the guys that that went there you uh, uh your colleagues uh, me uh, uh officers uh, uh non-commissioned officers everybody and uh, the people the guys that didn't come back or all the guys that actually died prior to deploying that's the most important thing about that book i think um so i, I i'm looking forward to getting your opinion on it when um, when when it's translated fully yeah 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 well, like i said i I'd definitely i'd definitely be happy to help as i say like it's i i've you know i've become really good friends with you uh, we we speak quite quite regularly we speak on a weekly basis uh through through you know social media through facebook etc so yeah i I definitely like for for everything that you guys have done for me like by helping me and and you know chatting and th there's a reason why that we've been still talking now like 10 years later 10 11 years later you know if i if i didn't want to speak to people like, oh you didn't treat me well i would have just not speak to you but obviously you treated me like like no others as i said at the beginning you know and and i've become as i said in my intro like we've become good friends and i think we always will be so and i i would hap you know happily uh do that happily do that for you um so yeah that there's no issue about that <laughs> i won't worry i'd, uh, I'd would, definitely would, give would you in as an um, executive proofreader then you would actually be in the book too then then uh... <laughs> i try <laughs> yeah yeah no i um no, it's it's definitely something I've really wanted to. I'm really looking forward to because I did, I know you did mention, um, 
you were getting it translated into English, which I was I was obviously really happy about because obviously I, I'm not <laughs> I can just speak a little bit of French, but Danish definitely I, I knew a few words in Danish, but. Nobody no knows how to speak Danish. Then don't worry about it. Like <laughs> my mom has been there for uh, how many years now? Sixty years. She hardly speaks Danish still. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's an incredibly difficult language. Yeah, yeah, it is quite. It is quite difficult. I know when I tried learning a few phrases, uh, the only phrases I learned was um, obviously like radio terminology, like when I was on the radio, just so I could. Because I know in like times of like not panic, but times of like importance. Obviously you guys would revert back to speaking Danish, but obviously yeah. I, I, you know, got to give it to you. Like generally most of the time you spoke English because I was around. So I knew what was happening because realistically end of the day, whatever you needed to be communicated had to go through me to then go up to whoever up to the headquarters. Great. So yeah. it, but I, that's something I did actually really appreciate. I still remember, you know, like that majority of the time, like 99% of the time, you all spoke, spoke English around me, which was good. Unless obviously there was a bit of a panic, as I say, not a panic, but something of quite important. So, you know, we've been involved in a firefight or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I understand that. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, the, is it the Anders Lason scholarship? Uh I know, I know, like for me, I, I, I did a little bit of research into into him and it, I believe, was he someone who won the Victoria Cross during World War Two? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he was um, he was one of the um, the founders of the SBS, right? So the Special Boat Service back mm. in the day uh, during the, uh, the Second World War and, and cooperated very, very closely with the British and, and the um, in the um, the fight against the Nazis, uh, the Third Reich, and um, and and he's um, he's considered a special operations uh, a special operations dude, right? And he mm. got the Victoria Cross for his uh, for his uh, uh, achievements there, uh, which is in itself like crazy, right? Who yeah. whoever who gets the Victoria Cross, right? Yeah. But but this guy, um, so so they made him a foundation in in, in his name. Uh, uh, from the family, and um, and they have a grant, a grant that they give uh, um, extraordinary um, efforts uh, uh, within uh, employment of the state, right? So if you employ the state, it could be as a as a doctor, or a nurse, uh, or a firefighter, or, or, or mostly special operational uh, special operations units, right? Who mm. who um, excel uh, in in doing something uh, deployed or or or, uh, or any other kind of you know actions and 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 I was um, I was honored to receive that uh, that commendation from the uh, the um, Anna's Lesson uh, Foundation and uh, it was a it was an amount of, of money of course and and a diploma of um, of um, extraordinary leadership uh, in in a in a, in a in a zone of combat right and. Uh, and and it's really you know just getting the the honor of, of receiving it it's it's one thing, uh, and but but at that point I was actually um, also indicted and, and almost going to jail for, uh, from the jack uh, accusing me of uh, of having done terrible things against my soldiers so 
it, it was it was it was sort of like um, the the politics of of giving something like that was disregarded. You know, it, uh, if you are if you are a good man doing right things as a soldier, you get this grant and you get the honor. Uh, disregarding whatever people accuse you of having done, because that is written in stone. That that is that is what you did. That is that is proof, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so, in in a in a very dark time, that that was a, a little glimpse of, of light and hope, and and um, and restoring honor to to a person who, um, like me, lives out of a code of 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 honor and integrity and and. And valor and 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 pride, and not as a bad thing, uh, but but also um, of courage, right? So it's 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 all those you know all the the, the I would say the, the old military values of a of a warrior or of a, of a leader uh, that that sort of was was questioned. But when I got the grant, they were like, yeah, but disregard that. This is who you are, right? And the and, and that was great. The, that that was that that was the, the best part of, of receiving that um, that um, that honor. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's something uh, that I was going to ask you about. That where you you were saying obviously at, at the same time you were going through this stage of where you potentially could have been sent to jail, but then on the opposite side, you were given this award, which is obviously seen as a very positive thing. So I just thought, like, does that, is it, it seems like a contradiction in terms where one side of it is that you're, you know, you're a bad person and they're going to put you to jail. But then on the second, on the opposite side, they're giving you this award. Like, did it, it's a bit, must have been quite confusing. It, it's, um, I, I choose to think of it that I did, I did all the right things in all the wrong ways. Okay. It's it, it's um it, it's um it, it was the this the the Jack the Army uh, operational command uh, politics um, all kinds of things that are unworthy of a warrior and a soldier, but it's a part of the system that you as an officer need to be aware of and follow. Uh, bad press can kill you as well. It, it killed my career really. Uh, I I thought my I saw myself as uh, after after Afghanistan, um, quickly getting up and, and becoming a major and then 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 the lieutenant colonel and and, uh, and commanding my own battalion right coming back to Afghanistan or something like that mm-hmm. as a colonel of a battalion right that would have been kick ass right? you know that would have been oh um a really 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 kick ass and great and then I would have an influence. Uh, other than merely a captain uh, who had British uh, 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 soldiers in, in my company, I would possibly be able to influence and that's what I saw, right? Influence and, and show that that leadership of men in a, a, a crisis, a, a conflict zone can actually be done differently from, from what you currently do in the British Army and actually be successful, right? Uh, in, in people coming home with, with a feeling of 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 integrity, right, uh, and 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 a feeling of being a part of a a group, a team, an effort, uh, no matter what the effort is, right? Then then you only have each other in in a in a little zone like that, right? Uh, 
you can only depend on, on the guy standing uh, next to you, right? And we, we depended on you sending those messages to to brigade. And, and, and if we didn't have you just because of lost in translation, uh, lack of, uh, of, of abilities to speak English and so many other things, we could have lost, uh, you know, uh, vital moments, minutes, uh, lives in the end, right? So mm. that was my my idea, and and and, and that was crushed with that um, with that uh, court case uh, that 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 ended there, and, um, and uh, both both because the Danish army is so small, uh, there's not you know space for someone like me, and and also because I didn't trust I didn't trust. Uh, my superiors anymore you know they they weren't yeah. there for me when they needed to back me up in something like this yeah, because yeah. no matter what i did all the right things right so um that 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 was um that that was strange it was strange but i but deep down inside i knew that that my only priority my first priority was in, in that situation, of course, to do what I was told uh, and follow orders, but not follow orders blindly so that my soldiers would get killed for no reason, right? So, so it's, uh, and, and, and you can argue whether that, that is a bad or a good soldier, um, but, but uh, I, I, that was my decision, right? So it's, uh, it's um, it was a strange time. Um, but it was it was it was a good it was a good uh, it was a hope for 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 the um, the culture of of uh, taking care of your soldiers uh, getting that grant I think uh, that was um, that that's what it gave me yeah 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 um, I was going to say so after obviously after you'd done that um, you obviously left the military and uh, what what did you do sort of from then up until what you're doing now. I went to Guatemala and uh, yeah. started growing cacao for chocolate. <laughs> mm. That's what I did. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my fourth uh, war zone. So Guatemala is uh, in middle of Central America. Well, you guys know that Belizeans is uh, part of the, of the empire, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so um, Central America, I went there for a couple of years and I, I started a cacao plantation and uh, and now, actually, I, I export very, very fine grains of cacao back to Denmark. That uh, that one price, I say, the one, the price of the of the on the international competition in Salon de Chocolat in Paris, uh, two thousand seventeen. I won the price of the best cacao in the world. Um, oh, wow. the, the the best grain of cacao, just like you know, that was you know the world champion of cacao actually. Yeah. So, um, I did that for a few years and. Uh, and and then I returned to, actually to Denmark when my court case was uh, was done, and uh, I I went back to uh, being uh, the company commander for a couple of years, and then I left again, and uh, and now I actually sit in in Panama and uh, and manage um, uh, security for a, a big shipping company uh, called uh, Maersk, um, and I'm in charge of security for for the Americas, uh, so uh, everything that that comes in and out of our ports, uh, every vessel that uh, goes uh, to and forth and, uh, and every inland services, uh, everything that, that has to do with any uh, outside threat against the company or our assets or our people, our customers or our cargo, that's my responsibility. So um, I guess I became a, 
a, bri- a brigadier when he came to it with a, yeah. with, with a lot of people uh, uh, depending on me. Yeah, yeah. No, that it's 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 quite interesting how you how your career's gone to like different different sort of like uh, occupation. Like it's obviously gone from being obviously in the military and then obviously doing your uh, your cacao uh, um, plantations. Going back, obviously, to to finish off your court case, and and, and then obviously doing the this uh, couple of years back into the military, and then obviously coming back and doing, yeah, basically doing security for one of the biggest shipping companies in the world, and being in charge the of the yes, okay, yeah, doing doing yeah, doing ship obviously, so yeah, doing security for. You know, I'm not even doing security. You are the security man for the whole of of the biggest shipping company in the world, and being in charge of all, obviously, like you say, North and South America and Central America. That that's that's quite a it's quite an interesting uh, it's quite an interesting route you've gone down, and obviously, as I say, like do you is 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 sort of where you are now is that your sort of long-term plan is that where you're planning to stay do you have a long-term plan then i don't not really no i don't have a two depends what your class is long term not not really that's right you just answered you just answered your question that, that's, that's the thing um i i think when, when you've gone through what we have gone through then um fate or chance or Timing will take you places and mm. uh, show you stuff. And uh, being who we are, we doesn't matter if we work in a supermarket or a, a pet store or, yep. or, or 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 being the the, the senior security managers uh, manager of, of of Americas of the largest shipping company in the world. It doesn't matter where it takes us. We just kick ass as good as we can, right? Yeah. We, we do the best job we can. We optimize, we find out that the dog food of that kind and that kind should not be right there. They should be there. And, and the manager will always see you as somebody who is right here now doing, optimizing the best he can. Because we know that we cannot go through life blind or, or, or uh, um, in a fog. We've seen too much, right? We, yeah, we yeah. picked up pieces of, of dead bodies right we we need to get the most out of this time as we can right so when you ask me shit i don't know i, I have a, i have a saying i actually stole that from a from a stupid american movie uh uh starship troopers yep yeah, yeah he says at some point he says so uh, come on, you maggots! Do you want to live forever? Well, that's one thing. Or oh, you apes, actually. I think it's 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 a, it's a drill drill instructor. But but they have a saying where they say, "I'm staying here for as long as they need me, or until they find someone better." Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm thinking I'm gonna do the best I can. If they find someone who can do it better, hire him, and I'm out. Um, and if I do such a good job that you don't need me anymore, then I'm out. And I, I will probably find something else. And if my next job is working in a supermarket, then that is my next job because it doesn't matter. Um, one thing will lead to another. And 
another thing will lead to something else. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the craziest places in the world just because you chose to do it, right? So, so I think whenever we believe that we are stuck, um, it's because we 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 became lousy at looking around or looking up uh, or or just you know being more flexible, right? So so it's um, you never know you never know what 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 life brings yeah. tomorrow and next month and a year. Maybe I'll be here for twelve years. Who knows? Who knows? Know. Who knows? Well, I know one thing I'll be doing as soon as we can. As soon as we can get around this, obviously all this COVID stuff. I I I'm gonna come. I'd like to come and visit you. That that'd be great. I've never. I've always wanted to go to South America. I've never been. It's one place I've never been, and I, I I'll I'll uh, I'll make I'll make sure I try and come down at some point. Yeah, Panama's great. You would love it. Uh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's tropical. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's warm. It's a lot warmer than the UK anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I can imagine. I, I definitely, I definitely um, would do that. I, I definitely come and visit. And as I say, if we get the chance, hopefully in the next, well, when again, whenever we get the opportunity from, you know, post COVID, uh, we can get together and have like a reunion for all the guys and girls that we all served with, and. Uh, you know, meet up in. We're probably going to meet up in in Copenhagen or something like that, and uh, and have a good uh, have a good knees up as we as we call it. Um. So yeah, that that's uh, that's definitely what we'll do. Um. But yeah, I I, it's been it's been absolutely great. Like I said, chatting to you. Like it's it's we we for some reason like, I don't know what, but I think ever since we met like. It's just been, it's always been positive. Sometimes, obviously, I know people are busy. I say, I say people. I mean, we are. We, you know, we can be busy sometimes. Obviously, doing what you do, you're a busy man, and I know that. Um, but it's always good to have a good, good chat, and I think that's something that I like to kind of put forward by doing this podcast is, is chatting, and I mean in general. Like, obviously, we're all going through. To put it bluntly, we're all going through a shit time. And just chatting to each other, chatting to your friends and family. Yeah, we might not be able to see them physically, like in the flesh, but we can see them on, you know, video chat. We can see them or hear them on a call or something like that. And I feel like that's probably the best thing we can do at the moment, obviously not being able to see them. Um, so, yeah, that that's something I feel, you know, is quite important at the moment. And I feel, like I said, and I do waffle sometimes, but um, I, I, I just like talking and, and obviously meeting someone like yourself. It's been great to like meet. And again, I know one day, hopefully at some point this year, hopefully, I'll be able to, we'll be able to meet up and I'll be able to actually shake your hand and say thanks for being the person you have been and the person that I met 10, 11 years ago. So yeah, that's that. I appreciate it. Yeah, and and um, and from my side, then uh, thank you for being. Um, um, you you have a, an enormous drive. You you want to do this and you do it right, and and I think that's a that's a strength um, because uh, since the first uh, t technological uh, problem we had uh, doing this, uh, it it might have just you know run out into the sand and, and it would never have been you know 
anything. So I'm glad that you're so persistent in, in, in actually uh, getting it done. I, th I think that that's going to be, it is, if, if you don't know it, uh, that, that is one of your strengths as a, as a person, right? So, so take that and, uh, and also um, uh, this chat, you're absolutely right. We, we need to, we need to, we especially need to just relax, sit down, have an hour's talk or an hour and a half about subjects, things. Uh, sometimes they go one way or the other way and, and you have a good talk about things. And and, and it's rarely in, in, in this busy world that we live in, COVID or not, that we do this, I think. So um, so thank you very much. Also, this is, uh, this is good for me. It's... Uh, it's um it's it's soothing for the soul uh, to talk to someone who was there um uh, with me uh, all the way and uh, um it's it's i think it's always good for us veterans to to talk things over we always get a an interesting new perspective and now that 10 11 years went by sometimes you can even see it with a bit of humor and uh, i learned one thing from you uh, during my uh, my deployment is that if you don't have any humor you shouldn't have joined the infantry uh i believe you said that at some point and uh, and you're absolutely right uh, yeah. that's how it is and um so thank you very much then i appreciate it yeah not a problem absolutely pleasure um as i say i'll um i'll make sure that people you know when the book is out and when it obviously like you say when we've uh, uh when it's been translated into english uh i'll definitely put it out there it's, it's going to be a great read i know it is i've seen obviously reviews of it obviously english reviews um and like i said once it's translated i'll definitely put it out there and make sure that people can buy the book uh you know people that i've worked with and people that were there at the time so they'll be able to sort of look back and see exactly and have sort of memories to look back on um and and realize exactly what they've achieved because i think it's quite important to realize that what what we've done um isn't normal like it isn't normal like people think like like going around you know people like i said again i don't want to keep mentioning it but people look at films and, and playing on call of duty that's just life it's not just me it's a very different reality um don't get me wrong i've not done to the extremes of what some people have done you know but i know going off you know what we did in afghanistan then it's definitely not all what you see, uh, and it's not all. What's the what's the what's the saying in uh, in Rocky when he says it's not all sunshine and rainbows, because it isn't. It is it? It's a dark place if if it, you know if you get you let it get you like that. So as I say, mate, I, I appreciate it. It's been a great great chatting to you, and um, hopefully we get the chance to meet up in the near future. Um, we'll see when that near future is, but um, uh, is what's for people who want to sort of keep an eye on on yourself because i know you do some interesting things um do you do you use social media quite a bit or are you, are you not what's what's the best place to sort of try and find out about you so so i'm, I'm um i'm trying uh I'm, I'm i'm having like this this um personal doubt around social media especially because uh, um I feel that I've got it pretty much figured out uh, because we are from where we are. But when I see uh, Latin American Panamanians, they are um, 
they're sucked into uh, the, the cell phone constantly. Mm. They will they will walk into things. They will they will they will run with the cell phone like this, looking at stuff. They 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 will um, they will guard other people's children and other people's dogs while looking at their phone uh, and 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 uh, and security guards looking at the, everybody's just looking down into this this thing this this apparatus that 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 presents them with 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 things that they should be experienced for themselves I think that that it's a, it's a substitute uh, it's a surrogate of something of some dreams that, that are never uh, realized and never lived out and all that. So, so uh, yeah, I am on social media, absolutely. Um, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, uh, um, and um, and under my name is Kim Berger. So, so if, if, uh, if anyone wants to, to follow and, and, and look in and say hi and and, uh, and uh, are interested in, in our um, our stories and uh, and uh, our um, our um, uh, adventures, uh, there's also a, a crazy coy. Uh, uh, social media, uh, um, both um, um, uh, Instagram and Facebook, that um, that I have been very poorly at, at putting things up. Uh, but but when we uh, sort of uh, get the, the English version out, I'm, I'm going to to promote that much more because we have tons of photos and tons of stories and tons of situations that that were not told in the in the book, and and that's where people like you, Dan, can come in and. Uh, and actually, be creative as well, right? And give your 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 side of the story from from when when uh, when you were uh, uh, sitting there receiving information, uh, and and and, and maybe your side of the story from what happened when we were shot at uh, out in the that could be really interesting. Like, and, and then all of a sudden, you would have not only a three hundred pages book, but a never ending story of stories that mm. um, that would actually be interesting for people to. Um, to to read or listen to right? all of a sudden it becomes something much bigger yeah exactly and i i, I definitely like i said i'm definitely up for that and like i said um it's something i i can't wait for to do uh and, and tell my story um eventually when you know we're able to and obviously once everything's settled down but as i say mate i i, I appreciate it i really appreciate everything um uh, what i'll do is i'll put everything in the description um, I'll make sure that everyone knows about it uh, when it when it comes available. Um, I'll put it into my uh, into my social media. They'll be all linked in the description. Um, so thanks very much for taking the time to uh, watching this podcast. Uh, hopefully you can take something from it, take some words of advice, or or just listening to the stories that we have. Um, and like I said, if I don't catch you soon, then I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>